himself. Gets posterized. Great to be back with you here on the Comedy Williams podcast. Mark Comedy is back in the studio with me, and he's looking super, super lean. He's been on a diet, I think, Mark. Is that right? Yeah, I've been in a slight cutting phase, mate. I mean, super, super lean. That's really going to put, you know, words and, you know, images in their head, rather, of, uh, you know, and I'm, yeah, I'm okay, but I saw, super, super lean. Well, I saw one of your selfies on Instagram looking very lean, had your oh, abs it's, out. It's good good to look good in the selfies. You know, it can be trickery, <laughs> too, you know. It can be trickery. It can be one, slightly more fluffy in reality, <laughs> you know. There's nothing wrong with being too fluffy at all, Mark. No, so. there's not. That's the reason that, oh, actually, there, well, there's, yeah... Sometimes that's the reason for the cut in the first place. It's a little, <laughs> little bit too fluffy, so we need to rein it in for a bit so we can uh, start building again. You're looking great, if I might add. You are looking fantastic. You're going to sound fantastic because it's been a, a massive couple of weeks in sport. There's so much to talk about. Greg Hardy's UFC debut. Boogie is back for the Golden State Warriors. In fact, he made his Golden State Warriors debut, so I can't wait to talk about that. Kyrie Irving apologizes to one of his former teammates. Mm. No second guesses as to who that might be. And a little bit later, I want to ask you, Mark, if you have done the 10-year selfie photo challenge that has been taking social media by storm. I've been itching and I cannot wait to talk about it with you. But <laughs> have you seen a few of them? What type of life are you leading over there, Jimmy? You've been itching to, to wait for me to talk to me about the 10-year challenge. I'm sure you've seen it I've on seen social it. media. I've seen it, of course. Well, I've got a few questions okay. for you a All little right. bit I'll, late. Oh, wait. I don't want to disappoint your anticipation of this subject <laughs> there, Jimmy. We don't want to shortchange you. Well, we'll talk, about, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, but it's great to be back. 2019, another episode coming, and thanks for listening to the Comedy Williams podcast. Well, as if the best team in the NBA couldn't get any better, they finally get their uh, recruit, DeMarcus Cousins, off the injury list, and into the uh, into the team, and he's back. Boogie is back in the building, Mark, and I just wanted to know, what did you think of his first game in Golden State colors? Well, his first points were a dunk, and I believe it was the first two points of the game. Powerful. So it was a pretty good start. Um, didn't blow out the Achilles on that one, so that's always a good sign for Boogie. Um, but no, I don't think... Uh, yeah, I mean, early days, but we'll see, won't we? What, what was your impressions of it? Uh I just love the fact that he got a standing ovation after fouling out in the fourth quarter by his teammates and the crowd. They went absolutely ballistic. Do you think he did that on purpose to get the standing ovation? <laughs> I'll get myself out here. I get my, like, you, know, you know how the coach sometimes does the rider. You think Boogie went, oh, I'll get myself out here uh, just so I can get the standing ovation. I'm close to it. He was fired up. And why wouldn't you be? First game of the season, well, the Warriors have been in a, in a unique position, but they still look good. They're mm -hmm. still going to be hard to beat, especially with him. Mm. And uh, I suppose the question is, is, is this the best starting five ever? Steph well, Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and then, of course, now DeMarcus Cousins at the five. Yeah, well, you hear guys talk about it and uh, be a bit dismissive on it sometimes in the US media. I've heard the uh, topic brought up. But when you look at it on pure talent, it has to be right there. I mean, you've got two guys who are probably two of the best players of their generation. 
with Steph and KD. Right. Okay. So that that right there matches up pretty well with anyone else you can think of. Okay. When you've got two guys of that calibre. You know, Steph changed the game pretty much completely. KD's like a tall version of him pretty much. So it's uh, when you start off with that and then you add Clay Thompson, probably maybe the second best shooter of all time, potentially. Who could be on his own team. Yes, exactly. If Draymond Green is your worst player in your starting five, that's a pretty <laughs> good starting five. So on talent-wise, I mean, the, the results will, will say how good they are, and I don't think they're in a position where they're going to have this five and create a new dynasty with this five. So I think it's limited anyway, what we'll get to see of this five. But on paper, if DeMarcus Cousins comes back, anything like the DeMarcus Cousins he was before the injury, even at 80% of that, then give me a starting five ever that has had more talent top to bottom. As I said, if Draymond's your worst player in your starting five, what what five? I mean, people have said the Showtime Lakers and stuff like that, and because Kareem and Magic top top tier talent, of course, James Worthy, so big time talent on that. But then your next two, not so good. And all I'm saying, I'll say it for the third time: Draymond Green is your worst player on the starting five. You'll take it. It's pretty good. <laughs> what do you think, Steve Kerr's thinking? This is pretty good. <laughs> I've got the easiest job <laughs> in the world. So to repeat myself again. <laughs> But yeah, that was the other the comparison I heard was obviously the Bulls with when Jordan Pippen Rodman was there, Harper in the backcourt too. That's a very good uh, four. But then the fifth one, who is he? So the, the the center was it Luke Longley, Bill Cartwright. I mean, so what do you throw around there? You're lacking there. You're telling me they're better than Boogie Cousins? Well, yeah, I'd probably take Boogie. He drops threes. He can shoot free throws and mid ranges and. As I said, the crowd were going ballistic to see him in the Golden State uniform. He had 14.6 rebounds, three assists, and three three three-pointers before he fouled out in 15 minutes as the Golden State Warriors defeated the LA Clippers 112-94. to And after the game, he said he felt like a kid on Christmas. And I think that's how Steve Kerr probably feels every time (laughs) he goes to training with those blokes. They're just, they're going to be so hard to beat. Until he starts hearing Draymond and Boogie start chirping. That I reckon he probably thinks well. He took a pay cut to be there, didn't he? Or well, massive pay cut. I think he took the minimum, didn't he? Just to just to get his stock up, mm. I, I guess, and uh, potentially be a championship player at the end of this season. So they won't be able to afford to keep him. Um, but yeah, that is an incredible starting five. I don't think we've ever seen in my lifetime, anyway. Uh, I think it's the first time we've had five all stars on the same team from the previous season got to go back to the 70s and the Celtics. So talent pool was probably much smaller than in the 70s. Um, so that just shows you on paper how good they are. So it's pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, some people would say unfair, but uh, top to bottom, pretty good. In other basketball news, it looks like uh, the Boston Celtics have sort of finding their way through. I know we had a pot shot at them earlier on in one of our episodes, Mark. We, we didn't know what they were up to, but they uh, they defeated the Toronto Raptors during the week. Kyrie Irving was just on fire. A lot of their guys look like they're, they're working it out. They're an exciting team to watch. And I love this story that came out of the match after the game, though. It was Kyrie Irving, and he was talking about how much love and respect... He has for LeBron James. Take a listen. Obviously, this is something that um, it was a big deal for me because I had to uh, call Bron, you know, and tell him like, 
you know, I apologize for <laughs> being that young player that wanted to everything at his, you know, at his fingertips, and I wanted everything to uh, be at, you know, my threshold. I wanted to be the guy that led us to championship. I wanted to be the leader. I wanted to be all that, and you know, the responsibility of being the best player in the world and leading a team is something that's not meant for many people. And Bron was one of those guys that came to Cleveland and tried to really show show us what it's like to win a championship, and it was hard for him. And uh, sometimes getting the most out of the group. It's not the easy, easiest thing in the world. You know, he's been in this situation. You know, he's, he's been there with me where I've been the young guy, of, you know, being a 22-year-old kid and, you know, wanting everything. Wanting everything right now. You know, coming off an all-star year starting and then, you know, this, this heck of a presence comes back and now i got to adjust my game to this guy. And, um, you know, take it personal, but at the end of the day, he just wants what's best. And he has a legacy he wants to leave and he has a window he wants to, to capture. So I think... What that brought me back to is like, all right, how do I get the best out of this group of the success they had last year? And then helping them realize what it takes to win a championship. Oh, relax. 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 We're good. All right, relax, okay? Just, but, but so, one question at a time, because when you bring up Bron, of course, it brings extra credit. So there you go, Mark. Kyrie Irving admitting and trying to be a bigger man and finally saying he understands what LeBron is all about. Yeah, look at that. So uh, it's an interesting one. I don't know uh, if it necessarily had that much to do with uh, him apologizing to LeBron or it had him trying to get a point across to his young teammates who he now considers, you know, okay, pupils that aren't listening to him. So I think if you if it was really just about him and LeBron, you wouldn't have necessarily had to make it public. Um, so it seems the timing seems a little bit strange because he seems to be getting a little bit... Uh, Testy with some of these younger counterparts, which he hasn't been used to sort of being in that role and having lead guys that sort of are talented but maybe aren't playing the way he wants them to play. You know what I loved as well in that press conference was as soon as he mentioned LeBron, all the reporters were like going at him, like, question, 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 question. <laughs> like sharks. <laughs> and he was like, hey, hey, take it easy. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, I mean, he was sort of like a bit of a uh, Kobe moment when he uh, said he apologised to to Shaq when he when he was playing with Dwight because he didn't realise how good Shaq was and all the things he used to complain about. And we know uh, Kobe and Kyrie are very close. Uh, Kobe's a mentor to Kyrie and uh, you can definitely see a lot of Kobe's influence in Kyrie, let's put it that way, when he talks and things like that. He's got a lot of Kobe about him and he's sort of... So it was almost a bit of a Kobe moment, but uh, obviously a lot sooner than it took uh, Kobe to come to that realisation. What do you think of Boston since we spoke about them in an earlier episode of the Committee Williams podcast. Do you think they're a team that can genuinely maybe win the East and go to the finals or do you oh, think they're not ready yet? Definitely on talent. They should. What but about Toronto? Toronto is very good too. That's going to be the, I think they're the two uh, by a fair margin to me. Um, the rest are still probably a little bit behind, even the Bucks and stuff like that. They're just a bit behind. Those two are pretty well-oiled machines, well-coached, got all the parts that fit. So Boston, you would think if they can uh, put it all together, very good chance. And uh, now Kawhi on the Raptors obviously puts them on that next level as well. So it's going to be a good Eastern Conference Finals. I think if those two get there, I think it's going to be uh, great to watch. And we did talk about the Warriors in the West a, a touch earlier on. Who do you, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but who do you kind of see being their biggest threat in the West, especially now with, with DeMarcus back? It's tough to see at the moment. I mean, I think it's going to take shape a little bit. No one's sort of running hot in that sort of second position or anything like that. There sort of seems to be them and everyone else, really. 
Um, even if they're not playing as good as they have been over previous seasons, uh, you still get the indication that they can turn it on whenever they want. Um, and even them on a bad night is still better than most. Uh, so you can't see anyone really pushing them, I don't think, at this stage, although things may happen and people may emerge. But I think we need more time. Maybe after the All-Star break, we'll be, get a better sort of lay of the land on it. But it doesn't look like right now anyone... The East is sort of probably more interesting to me at the moment because right. of all the sort of uprising of the young teams and stuff like that. We talked about the... Obviously, Kyrie and, and Kawhi situation. So there's stuff happening in the East where you're unsure. It seems uh, even though the West has a lot of talent, you seem to be more sure of the outcome on that side for whatever reason. Just going back to your point mm. about the Western Conference. Yes. Can Houston actually... I mean, they can. Chris Paul's out injured at the moment, isn't he, still? So, yep. But with the form that James Harden's in... Is that actually a concern that maybe he's playing his best basketball right now? Like, is this sustainable? Because he has been crazy, crazy good. He has. I think, what is he, averaging 42 points a game or something? He's moment. been unbelievable. He's, he, he's currently easily the MVP 40, of the court. 42 over the last 19, sorry, not 42 for the season. It sounded like I was saying he was averaging 42 points of the season. Uh, I think over the last 19 games, I think it's like 42.5 or something ridiculous like that. So he's definitely backing up that MVP season from last season. But not going to be enough for the Warriors. Even though he did beat them single-handedly the other day on a last-second shot. Um, I don't see it happening. Very hard for a team that's just dependent on one or two players to beat them. I suppose, I suppose you're right. After the All-Star break or whenever Chris Paul gets back, we'd have to have a proper look. Yeah, and I just think the, 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 the Rockets are weaker than last season. Last year, they just had more defensive stoppers and things like that that were playing to their favour, plus... It was sort of a new brand of ball and they had that sort of element of surprise there, I think, too, where now I think they're not sort of coming in as unexpected and uh, they seem to have regressed uh, defensively. So I don't think they're going to be up for the task this year, even with Harden playing as well as he has. But when the other team has potentially two better players than your best player, the odds don't look too great then. So you can make the argument, and I think most people would take Steph and KD ahead of Harden, even on Harden's current form. Uh, if you're picking a team, you'd probably pick those two first. Would you pick those two first, Jimmy? Definitely. Yeah. And I don't so. really, you know, I'm not really a James Harden fan. fan yeah, but. okay. Yeah, but all I'm saying is, so when the other two, if you, when you're that good and you look across and there's two guys better than you potentially on the other on the same team, yeah, it's not a good start. Two? You're going to go with two? I'm going to go with two. two. I'm going to go with Steph. You say just two. You think that's right? I don't know about that. Mark, it's that time of the year again where a lot of people, like myself, turn into American football heads, uh, cannot wait for the Super Bowl. There's four teams left, the Saints, Rams, Chiefs, and Patriots. I'm barracking for the Saints. No clues, no questions as to why. I'm sure people know I'm a Saints man in the AFL. I hope they uh. can do it over the Rams and then get through either the Chiefs or the Patriots, but Tom Brady... I don't know. It's probably going to be hard. It's there again, isn't he? It's, it's going to be hard. Uh, and, of course, the uh, always much talked about halftime show. Maroon 5, Travis Scott and Big Boy. I'm not a fan of Maroon 5, but Travis Scott and Big Boy, I can get behind. She Will Be Loved, Beauty Queen. Nah, no. that's not one of them. No. I find the uh, Adam Levine, is it Adam Levine? Moves Like Jagger. 
Yeah, I just don't <laughs> don't dig his voice, man. You know, he's on a what? I don't dig his voice. It's very high pitched. It's strange, yeah. strange to me. No, I mean that's that's just personal preference. So I can get hey. behind get behind Travis Scott and Big Boy, but Maroon Five, you can uh, take or leave. Who have you got? Teams wise, um, forget the halftime show. It's interesting because it's sort of uh, it's, it's uh, the old guard versus the new guard. We've got uh, Brady, who's forty-one, Brees, who's forty, two of the best quarterbacks of their generation. Mm. Brady, potentially the best quarterback of all time, uh, and you've got two up-and-comers in Patrick Mahomes and Goff for the for the Rams, twenty-three and twenty-four, respectively, in age. So. Uh, especially Patrick Mahomes, this is, he's a rookie this season and he's playing out of his mind for the Chiefs. So that's going to be a good one with him and Brady going up against each other. Uh, Breeze has had an amazing season as well. Um, so you would think that the Pats are going to win the AFC and uh, I think the Rams will win the NFC. But I'm going to say, you would. I said you would think. Okay. I'm little gonna say, in I'm going to say little, it's going to be, star. and this is what I'm hoping for. I want Kansas City versus New Orleans. So the Chiefs versus the Saints. So I want Patrick Mahomes versus Drew Brees because I think that was going to be a uh, epic showdown. Although you know, so the Rams are a good story too because obviously they're the extension team back to LA. So that'd be pretty cool as well. Mike. If if that if New England get through mm-hmm. the Chiefs mm-hmm. and Tom Brady. Does it on his back as he would probably have to as the quarterback, unless it's a scrappy sort of game. Yeah, well, he hasn't. In fairness to him, though, he hasn't had his best season this season. But here he is yet again. Exactly. So if he does it, yes. Where where does this put him in, in all sports? Yeah, Roger Federer, LeBron, Michael oh, Jordan. Still, I think he's he's right there anyway with everyone. Um, in regards to that already, um, but I definitely think it solidifies him as the the greatest. American football player ever. I think he's sort of already there, as I said. So whether or not it's just sort of, I don't think it moves him up necessarily. It's just sort of more uh, in the case of Tom Brady, maybe a cherry on top. Um, But the fact that he's here again, conference finals again, uh, him and Belichick, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. It's a hell of a run. Have Uh, you seen seen the documentary about the, it's about Tom Brady's journey mm -hmm. to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, It's about, well, it's not about, it's not so much about that. It, it's about the quarterbacks that went before him and their lives. Mm. Have you seen that? I think it's called yeah. the Brady the Brady Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he. Well, I mean, he as he was. What, what was he like last last pick in the third round or something yeah. crazy like that? Um, so he definitely. That's the thing with him. You, you sort of look at him as cookie cutter, cookie cutter, rather, and uh, had everything sort of fall his way because he's got that look about him. But he had a chip on his shoulder from the beginning. From being picked so late, you know that sort of I think has drew him through, right? Um, because it, it sort of uh, didn't sit well with him, and good on him for sort of coming back from that. If you haven't seen it, it's called the Year of the Quarterback, the Brady Six. I think it uh, is labelled, and it's as I said about the um, the six quarterbacks selected before Tom Brady, pick one hundred and ninety nine. There you go, one ninety nine. Pretty good deal for one ninety nine dollars or pick. What do you reckon? Not a, bad, not a bad run for one night in You'll take it. You'll take it, yeah. Another big card in the UFC. Greg Hardy, I believe, made his UFC card debut. For those who aren't familiar with who Greg Hardy is, a former NFL player with a, with a pretty uh, ordinary past, if I might add, Mark. But he went into the, uh, the octagon today and he got disqualified. 
he did. It was, a, it was sort of a fitting end, wasn't it? Uh, he was disqualified for an illegal knee to a downed opponent. A uh, knee in the head. You can't, uh, for those of you that are unaware, you cannot knee your opponent in the head when they are on the ground in the UFC, and that includes kneeling. Uh, you can knee in the head standing, uh, but not to a downed opponent. So he did that. Um, it wasn't the worst indiscretion in the world. I've seen worse. But it was just sort of a fitting end to the sideshow that is Greg Hardy. Um, I just thought the optics of it all were a bit weird anyway. Um, for their first, That was their first card on ESPN. Uh, for Again, for those people who are unaware, so they've just switched from Fox to ESPN. Um, and he was in the co-main event after having only three fights, all of them in the uh, Tough Enough House, I believe, which is the UFC's uh, reality show. Uh, where they get fighters in a house and make them compete for uh, title, for uh, contracts, rather, and things of that nature. Um, so it was his first proper, proper fight on an event. Um, so to be put in that spot, uh, I thought the fight was sloppy anyway. Both of the guys lacked skills. He's obviously a decent athlete, but to put him there, I thought it was just a bit of a money grab and for all the wrong reasons. I mean, he's not the best NFL player ever. Um He's known to most people. I mean, he was a pretty good NFL player by all accounts, but he was more known for his indiscretions off the field, which included domestic violence, um, throwing his girlfriend at the time on a bed mm. full of uh, firearms and whatnot and threatening yeah. to kill her or whatever he did. Um, but you but you made the point that, and, and I found this really, it, it sounds like Dana White really likes the guy and really wants him to be a successful... No, I don't think no, I don't think Dana White likes the guy. I just think he can see probably and Dana's not the only one running the show now. They've obviously been bought by a parent company, so there's probably pressure on him too just to make fights that make money. Um but he is a heel coming in straight away, Hardy, to use a wrestling okay. term, which means bad guy. Ooh. Um so people tend to tune in to watch bad guys get beat up. Um, <laughs> so th- they may have been trying to build him to even potentially having a fight with say Daniel Cormier or something like that, who's the ultimate good guy. Um, So you can see the bad guy lose in the end. So maybe, you know, progressing his progress faster than usual would get him to a point where he's ill-prepared for a title shot and thus a fitting, happy ending to the story. So maybe they had a method to the madness, but it just didn't look good as far as I was concerned because – Everyone wants to see the bad guy lose. And I think on some weird fundamental level, if someone gets done for domestic violence or something or battery against women, you want to think there's someone around who's going to beat him up or something. You don't want to see that guy get really good at combat sports because I think it's like a hard <laughs> thing to digest. A lot of people yeah. on Twitter just wanted to see him fail. Yeah, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like on some fundamental level, you don't want to look at a guy who, like you can see that, well, maybe he's a bit of a monster, getting trained in martial arts and becoming like a really proficient fighter as well because then it sort of it, it makes you feel like there's something not right about it right and a lot of people on social media today had those exact thoughts some comments were just really funny and some others were really brutal mm. some suggesting that they're glad to see that he's in the uh, octagon fighting against another male uh, for those <laughs> who don't know greg hardy uh, he was a, a sack machine for the carolina panthers he copped um, assault charges in the spring of 2014. He was found guilty, but the charges were dropped because there was an out-of-court settlement. He then went to the, uh, the he went to Dallas. He played one game or a handful of games, and then the NFL stepped in and suspended him for 10 games without pay. It was reduced to four, and then he fell off the wagon in the NFL, uh, had another indiscretion, and he found himself 
as a professional fighter. So mm. uh, social media today was rife with comments. Just yeah. happy to see him sort of uh, fighting again in a professional environment. <laughs> Ironically, uh, after those charges that I just sort of alluded and read out. But yeah. um, you're, you're spot on. I mean, should should he even be fighting in the well, UFC? Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. But I, I think there's more... I had a more problem with the spot he was given uh, sort of on a co-main event when there was a, when there was a title fight after that, obviously... Why is he even on the co-main event? I mean, if he wants to be on, if they want to put him on the main card, yeah, sure. But the co-main event is normally a spot you have to earn. I don't think he's done anything as a human being or anything else to earn that spot as of yet. Um, so why put him there? It was just weird because it was a sloppy fight anyway. Both of them looked out of shape and it wasn't a good skill fight as far as heavyweights go, which they can sometimes be. So um, it wasn't a good look. I didn't think, but a, a fitting head and he's probably tarnished his name a little bit again uh, just by getting DQ'd. Like I said, it wasn't the nastiest thing I've ever seen, so in fairness to him, it wasn't uh, anything too underhanded. It was just probably a little uh, a brain fart, as we say, Jimmy. Um, but uh, he's he's a weird one because when you look at him, he sort of looks like the, the lights are on but nobody's home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, got, he's got one of those looks about him. So if you, if you, I think he maybe is a, a few screws I, loose there. And I he completely just, agree with and, that. And from all reports of his behavior in the NFL, it just, yeah. So I don't even know if he's technically mentally stable. Right. Which makes you question things again. No, okay. well, it's true. Okay. He, just, yeah, he doesn't seem uh, all there. He just, it's not a good history. If no. you've got your smartphone of you on you, which no. I'm sure you do, you have a look, look up, Greg Hardy. It, I, I think you summed it up perfectly. Yeah, so, the lights are on. But no one's home. That's, that's what it kind of kind of looks like with him all the time. So, uh, yeah, I, I just didn't like the look for the UFC, especially on their first card on ESPN. It's sort of like it was like they were trying to grab for some new demographics of audience being on ESPN two or something like that. Uh, whether it draw in some football fans with the name, uh, which they have their right to do, but I just don't think it's the right guy to do it with. Just repeating, Greg Hardy disqualified from his fight in the UFC against Alan Crowder. Because of an illegal knee strike in the second round, not a good look, according to Mark Cometti. Anyone who has a smartphone this week would have seen the challenge taking social media by storm, Mark, the the 10-year photo challenge, which, of course, goes back to 2009 from where we are in 2019. And as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I've been dying to know. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen you do it. So I don't think you have because I follow you on Instagram. You post a bit. I see keep up with your gym work, your wrestling and all that sort of thing. But I haven't seen you do the 10-year challenge. I've been patiently waiting. No, I haven't. I haven't done the 10-year challenge. Are you going to do it? I'm not sure that I will. I don't. I think I'll, I'll buck the, uh, you know, the curve and uh, the trend, so okay. to speak, and okay. just do my own thing. But what I'm confused about, it started out as the puberty challenge or something, didn't it? Did it? Yeah. That's your... And then it changed into the 10-year, like halfway through. Well, okay. Because first, first I seen people putting pictures of themselves as kids and then adults. Okay. That's how it started. And then oh. it went to a 10-year challenge. So when did it get hijacked? The internet, mate. 
the internet. Because it was it started off as the That's, puberty challenge. It's the internet, mate. And and it, it, well, everyone I knew was putting out pictures of their kid <laughs> to an adult, which is okay. That's that's fair enough. The ten year challenge to me, if you're a fully grown adult, there may not be that much difference in ten years anyway. Potentially. From like twenty five to thirty five, there might not be much happening. Right. So the puberty challenge was probably better to begin with. Anyway, two thousand and nine. Take me back, Mark Ametti. What are you doing? Two thousand and nine. Can you remember? Have you got? I a good was memory? working at uh, Zest Health Clubs as a personal trainer. At the end of two thousand and nine, actually, this was was an interesting year. That was December two thousand and nine. I moved to the US to begin my professional wrestling training, right. as it as it happens to okay. happen. Okay, so you know, so it was a very exciting time. This for you. seems like t- a totally loaded questions, but I had no idea you were going to ask this. So it's actually an interesting year for me. That's when I first moved to Orlando, Florida, um, with my girlfriend at the time, and um, yeah, we moved over there and uh, started a uh, the wrestling journey. A very exciting year, two thousand nine. What about what other memories do you have from the year? If that was at the back end, can you remember much about what happened in two thousand and nine? Well, I think it was just getting ready to uh, to head over there, really. Big decision. And wrapping things up uh, in Perth. Yeah. Uh, as I said, working at Zest Health Clubs in Mount Lawley. Um, Shout do, out. Doing, yeah, in a, in a, in a bright yellow uh, <laughs> a bright yellow uniform that was a little bit too short, I remember. It sort of looked like a midriff a bit. They, had the, they made it custom-made for me, Jimmy. They, made, they had to make a custom-made one because of my uh, sheer size. Yeah. Um, so they made a custom. I gave them the measurements, and when they sent them to me, they were a touch short. I mean, I could get away with it. Like there wasn't, you know, there wasn't, you know, belly button hanging out. But it was, it looked a bit odd at times. So that's that's what I was doing in two thousand and nine. Very interesting. So you're making a very big career decision. I was. Um, which was a, was a pretty good one. Yeah, well, big, it definitely Im- impacted my impacted my life and my. Uh, Everything after that, so uh, no, it was it was uh, definitely a year of change for me. What about yourself, Jimmy? Where were you in two thousand nine? Still at school. Uh, <laughs> it makes me feel old. Yeah, too. sorry, Mark. I don't. I never make, mean to make to. I never mean. What year to were you in that. school? Uh year ten. Ten. Yep. So, so those fifteen-year-old Jimmy. Yeah. What? Well, my birthday's late, so so fourteen for my, for most of the year. Yeah. Uh but my. M- I don't like talking about this to be honest, but my best memory from 2009 is like my worst memory. It was the year that, uh, the saints, the mighty saints went to the grand final and they lost. And I remember walking, it was my first ever AFL grand final. Um, don't know if I'll be going back anytime soon. Oh, so you went, went to the game. Oh, that's why I I went to the game at the MCG, Mark. And I thought, geez, we, we've got to be a chance today. The, mm-hmm. the mighty saints, they've only ever won one flag. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my old man went and one of his old friends, mm-hmm. which made me feel really weird. Cause you know, it's my, it was meeting my dad's friends. He grew up in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yep. um, we went to the game. Of course, Paul Chapman kicked that, um, goal over his head. Geelong went on to win the flag. And I was so upset walking from the MCG back to one of the train stations. I was just crying my eyes out. Wow. Oh. Little fourteen-year-old kid just took it tough. Oh, took it, was, it tough. It was a tough day. Yeah. Tough day. Do you remember watching that game? I don't. I don't actually. That would have been uh, before I left for the states. Yes, no, I, I'm sure I would have watched it, but I did. Doesn't stick out in my memory for whatever reason. Okay. Well, you know, I do. Saying. I do remember the chubby goal, but uh, that's just a snippet. Mm. In yeah. other sports news from 2009, 
Yeah. Kobe Bryant led the sorry. Kobe Bryant led the LA Lakers to a four-one win over the Magic. Ah, yes. Kobe. Yes, I remember that. One of his rings. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh won Super Bowl forty-three. There you go, Big Ben. <laughs> Big Ben, Pittsburgh. Okay, so that was Kobe's first ring without Shaq, I do believe, because then the next one was with against the Celtics after that. Okay. There you go. And Cleveland finished on top of the uh, Eastern Conference, mm. and Orlando. Orlando beat them. Playing the finals, yes. So, mm. yep. 2009, 10 years ago, we'll be looking back on 2019 in 10 years' time, I suppose. Yeah, 2029. With, an, with another 10-year challenge. Yeah, we will. We'll be like, I oh, remember we did that podcast. Yeah. No, we'll it, still be on the it, podcast. It'll still be going. It will still be going. Yeah, uh, a lot of pressure there, Jimmy. A lot of pressure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the Comedy Williams podcast. Can't wait to see Mark's 10-year challenge. I know he's going to backflip. It's going to be awesome. Don't hold your breath, Jimmy. 